Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. My guest this week is Bobby Hicks. He is an audiovisual artist, a competitive kettlebell sport athlete, and my friend, And in this episode, we get into his background, a little bit about how to make better social media content. We nerd out on some camera stuff and talk about how he ended up getting into kettlebell sport, as well as a little bit of my background of how I got into coaching. So I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening to this podcast. I am very, very grateful. If you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And if you want to step onto the platform and compete in Kettlebell Sport, please reach out to me. I help athletes of all levels reach their goals without wasting time using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, let's step onto the platform with Bobby Hicks. All right, welcome into this week's episode of the Platform Podcast. I am very excited to welcome in my guest and my friend, Bobby Hicks, also known as This Fellow on Instagram. I am This Fellow on Instagram. He is a visual artist, a kettlebell lifter, and just a damn good looking specimen of a man, if I do say so myself, because I'm looking at him on my webcam right now. Bobby, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, like, people don't know this, but I had to put clothes back on just before we actually did this. So <laughs> I, am, I am not wearing pants, um, you know, which is, <laughs> you know, something you probably didn't need to know, but now you can't stop thinking about. I'll just, wait, give me a minute and we'll get, we'll get set up together. That way we're <laughs> it's, it's very free, free we, conversation. We are actually recording this on video too, just in case we decide to upload it to a YouTube channel later. But, uh, you know, we got to get those likes and click somehow right <laughs> so um, so actually speaking speaking of which like you are um i know you hate the term you are a, a social media influencer i think would be you're, you're officially an influencer like i don't know what's the threshold like what how, how many followers do you have to have before they consider you uh an influencer so i mean like off camera like you and i have talked about this where it's just like i genuinely kind of like feel so just uncomfortable with that word because it's one of those things where it's like like anybody can be an influencer and it's like, yeah. I'm not down crediting, you know, like someone's someone like wanting to be that, you know, or like aspiring to be something, but you know, it's like when people ask me what I do, like, the last thing I ever say is, oh yeah, I'm an influencer. You know, like, no, I'm a fucking, I'm a photographer. You know, it's like, I'll say, I'll say like, the, I mean, it, it was funny too, is I tell people I'm a photographer, but I actually do more video and stuff than anything else, you know? But yeah, that's, that's why I said visual artist because yeah. like your, your, your medium is audio visual. Like it's, it's not just photography, but like you are a good photographer, no doubt. And, but you do a ton of video stuff and like you spent 
like a ridiculous like 12 hours to make uh like a five hour uh cookie video with your with your cute niece niece and nephew uh just a couple of weeks ago which was which was which was fantastic by the way like i loved that so tell tell, tell people that, that aren't familiar or don't follow you like what what that what that video was for and like how <clears throat> labor intensive it is to actually make that and why it was so labor intensive so I'll talk about that. I'll even like backpedal just a touch more, just to kind of like put full perspective on things. So in general, uh, like to put a little hat in what I do, um, I work with an agency. Uh, they're called Socialite. Um, my girlfriend works with another agency called Digital Brand Architects or DBA. And both Are you guys of us, rivals? Is it like the, the shark, the sharks and the jets? Do you guys have like snap fights in the in the living room? Not not in the living room, like but, but it's so funny because like those two agencies really do fucking hate each other. Like, so it's kind of awesome because it's like we basically like work together. Two star-crossed lovers yeah, exactly. of social media. <laughs> Yeah. But it's like in a general basis of like what I do, um, you know, each, each of us, uh, you know, are represented by uh, particular agents. These agents will have uh, like PR teams and, and people that come to them saying here, we have X budget. We would like to have uh, some person work with this product, you know? So let's say like uh, Philips Sonicare, for example, like I just started posting some stuff from that. And so they come and they're just like, who do you got in your roster? This could be good for this. And, you know, my agents really love me. They've been amazing people and like they've kind of pushed me. And so I'm able to actually get a lot of these really great jobs where I have to create essentially uh, ads. You know, I have to, I have to make like, I'm a one man band, you know, with the, like the help of my girlfriend occasionally yeah, and stuff, but you're like beyond a triple threat. Like you're, I don't I don't know how you're like a six tool player, I guess would be the analogy. If we go to the sports direction, right? Like you, you, you do the photos, you do the video, you do the audio, you do the editing, you do the lighting. You're the, you're the model. <laughs> like, do you write the script too? Like, I, I don't know. Like how much? Yeah, I do it yeah, all. So, so soup to nuts, man. Like you're like a one man, like, like media <laughs> mogul here. In, in in like the video world, uh, some people like to call it a shredditor, you know, because like you're like, or like a predator, it's like you're a producer and editor, like, you know, you, you write it all and direct it. But um, yeah, and it's like one of those things where, you know, uh, they have a scope of work, they come to us, and they're just like, this is exactly what we want, you know, but we want you to have your own creative, li- like your license. So there's like, there'll be specific things like you need to use certain hashtags or you need to, you know, like we need x amount of assets so like three videos and four mm. sets of stories and each story is three you know three slides and you got to do all these different things and the the thing that i think people don't realize as well is the fact that it's like i usually like i usually have about a week to do a lot of the stuff and especially you know with some of these gigs where they're just oh man <laughs> Alexa's getting saucy right now. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut her up. <laughs> yeah, don't don't. I could say uh, if you ever watch Shit's Creek, don't ever watch Shit's Creek with your Alexa on because one of the main <laughs> characters' name is Alexis, and every time he's like, "Oh my God, Alexis!" and Alexa like answers my TV, and then my my device because I have an Alexa TV and I'm you know Alexa in my in my living room, and they're like fighting back <laughs> with each other. It becomes this death loop of Alexas talking to each other. It's terrible. <laughs> One one quick thing. I'm wondering like how badly because like I'm I'm fighting to stay focused right now. I'm wondering how badly our ADHD is just gonna like r- let this fucking go. Don't, don't fight it, man. Just roll <laughs> just with it. Don't it's fight fine. It. Just don't fight it. 
but yeah, so long and short, you know, it's like I work with brands, uh, I get to make uh, commercials and uh, I love what I do. It's been, it's one of those things where it takes a lot of time um, to do it really well. And, you know, going back to what you said, you know, like what makes a person in a quote influencer, content creator, you know, like uh, visual artist, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, it depends who you talk to. Cause some people say that you know, it's like, that's how many followers you have. I think that's, that's a, a horrible metric, you know, because I think it's uh, all about engagement, right? It's like, all about you know, engagement. You, you want you like anybody can collect <clears throat> followers, but like getting people that actually respond to what you're saying and <laughs> like, then, then you're actually connecting with people, right? Like if they're actually responding and they're actually commenting, they're engaging in conversation, like that's, that's real like that's real like otherwise it's just fluff right like yeah. that's my that's my thought like I, don't know. Yeah, I, can, I can go get some gym sharks and i'm sure i'll get a, <laughs> at least six likes um you know Man, i'll <laughs> double tap that you know, heartbeat, you know? <laughs> you know? but it's like it, it's one of those things where at the end of the day you know um it's it's exactly how you put it where it's just about the engagement like the the, the audience you're able to kind of create you know and and kind of keep them on because it's like you know when we go to a channel, you know, whether it's me listening to your podcast or going to watch somebody else's stuff, you know, it's like, we're doing this to live vicariously in some element, you know? And it's like, I do this for a fucking living. And I, and like, I am all about other people's stuff because it's, it's one of those things for that's just par for the course. You know, it's like, we are invested in social media to invest in other people, you know, and be closer and connected. And so when you can actually find somebody that not only has the ability to, captivate an audience but at the same time you know might be able to possibly uh introduce like a one or two percent conversion to that audience you know that's a very powerful thing and so what a lot of people don't realize is that some of the most like uh, some of the best content creators you know influencers what do you want to call them they are what have been kind of deemed as like micro influencers. And I, I just, I, I think like when you start to get into like the meta analysis of like, and like the genre, like the nomenclature of these stupid fucking titles, it gets really hairy because yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you can give a Kardashian, you know, a, a shoe or something like that to wear. And you can give somebody that has 20,000 followers and you, they, they might have better conversion. I know so many people that, that are extremely popular and they couldn't sell their own, their own clothing line to save their life. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's just because I think, uh, this is me personally as well. I think that like when you kind of hit a certain, a certain level, you know, of, of like your followers and stuff like this, your audience actually starts to disengage. They start to feel that like, you're not relatable now unless you have been able to kind of like maintain this for a really, really, really long time. Um, and so for me personally, like, I think, you know, again, like I'm, I, I like to become friends with people, you know, it's like I actively talk to the people that I follow on a regular basis, you know, and it's like, that's just how I operate. But uh, when people start getting too big and it, like, you know, it takes longer for them to actually see your messages or this and that, that's a big problem that a lot of people run into, but they don't factor this in. So they keep putting up the same bullshit that they were doing before, like shooting something with an iPhone. And, you know, the problem that I have with that is not that you're shooting with an iPhone, but it's the, not entirely. It's the fact that if you are getting paid, you know, if you were getting paid money and it doesn't matter if it's 50 bucks or if you're doing it for, you know, like 50,000 bucks, you know, depending on what the, the campaign is, you know, it's like the problem that I kind of see a lot of places is that it's like 
there's not an equal balance of, of like uh, attention and uh, I don't know, just like a willingness to kind of like put everything in. So going back to what you had initially said, yeah, like I made a cute video with my girlfriend. It was for Easter and we'd planned this out just so that we could release it pre-Easter. And it was just kind of like a fun take on retro cooking recipe. Um, and this is a concept that we'd actually had for about like a year or so. And we just finally were able to execute it because like time is just impossible to catch. But uh, yeah, we made like a, a fun retro recipe based out of like an old cookbook from around like 1957 or so. And it was about bunny biscuits. And we had our niece and nephew come in and we dressed up like as if we were in the 1950s. And then I spent that full day setting up my camera, all the lighting, all the all the, the grip and camera gear that you can imagine to make a three minute video. And I, and I was telling you about it. I spent about 12 to 15 hours just editing that video, um, but it did really well. And it's like, it did well, not because it's the best video in the world. It did really well because it was something fun and relatable that I think people were looking for. And at the same time, it just kind of coincidentally happened to fall around a time when like WandaVision came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, there was definitely some, some good, some good, uh, good timing there. But as, so I, I watched that and I wonder, um, how many people think that that's, that those are your kids? Like how, a lot of how, people. I was, I was, I was wondering about that. So the, the best part about that actually is like fun little side tangent. So Roxy uh, is like the niece and writers, the, uh, the, the nephew. Right. And like when Roxy was, she's, um, she's a teenager now. I'm like the worst uncle in the world because I always forget ages. Like I still think I'm 22. So it's like, and I just hit 36. You, you look like you're 22. So I hate you because you still, have I, all of, you still have all the hair. I got you on the beard. I mean, I definitely got you on the beard, but like, you know, I would trade the luscious beard for a head of hair like you have like a thousand times over. So. Well, it's, it's the funniest thing because it's like her entire life. People have always joked around and say that like, uh, that, like people would be like, oh my God, she looks exactly like you, you know? And I would just be like, I'm in no way related to her, you know? But like her dad, he and I both have like very similar features. And it's just the most awkward thing because uh, you know this, but if you guys don't know this listening, like I just moved from New York City. I was living in New York for about 15 years. And so when like Roxy Ryder and like her mom would like come up to visit us in New York, you know, I'd have the kids with me and stuff and we'd be going around doing stuff and all the time these people would be like your children are so beautiful and i'm just like we are not related and it feels so awkward so the running joke in our family is that it's like you know bobby doesn't know how to have kids because it's like <laughs> you can't just say it <laughs> that's how it happened I still, I still like tease them on a regular daily basis just being like you're the best daughter in the world <laughs> You're the best daughter I never had. I never had. <laughs> so, so it's like it's a half truth. You, know? it's like no, they're not. They're like they're not my kids, but it's like they're basically. My, so, kids. so now, so now the question is: Does like, does like mom, mom or dad, or mom, mother-in-law, father-in-law, does does anybody, does anybody be like, uh, hey, you know, you guys would have some cute kids. Just look at how great you are with kids. Like, does that does that happen? No, it's like, so uh, my girlfriend Keiko and I, we, we've always had kind of like a very unorthodox relationship to what maybe other people are used to. You know, it's like, we've been together for, uh, I'd say about 15 years. We've yeah, known each been, other. You've been together as long as my wife and I. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other for almost 20, you know, I mean, like at least 18 years, you know, been best friends. 
Um, and it's you're like, at the tip, you're at the tipping point now where it's like, you're, you're getting close to the point where it's like, I've now known you more than half of my life. And now it's like, it's just going to like my, the portion of my life since you came into it is now going to be longer than the portion before you. And that, that's kind of crazy. Like that's we, a crazy the, tipping point. That happened just the other day when we were talking about something, uh, like, like a throwback memory. And I was just like, oh my God, that, that literally is like almost like half of my life, you know? And it, <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's a great feeling though. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things where like we've had a very unusual relationship in the sense that we've been together this long and we're not married. We don't really like we, we love kids, but we don't want kids of our own. We love our niece and nephew. You know, it's like I highly recommend if you don't want them, don't have one because yeah. they are a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love my kids, and I can't imagine um, if I didn't want them, like <laughs> like having to deal with all their bullshit. <laughs> well, and it, it's like you know, like I, I was even saying before, it's like you know, we we I barely have time to do my chores around the house. You know, it's like like on a regular basis. You know, we are constantly taking photographs and. You know, in the past, when when there wasn't a global pandemic, you know, we were actually traveling and driving like two hours out of the out of New York to go to New Jersey and take photographs somewhere, and we'd get back at like midnight or something. Our entire our entire life is based around our work, and in a way that that is very unusual and almost like uh, unnerving to a lot of people because you know they are like you're 36 like you're doing shit that you did when you were like 26 and that's not okay in your 30s and i think people just kind of like forget about the fact that it's just like this is what we do for a living and we are so happy with what we do people have a really hard time understanding artists i really i really think that's i think that's a really like because what you do is 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 an artistic creative career path and it's something that people that do not come from an artistic background really don't understand like I, I have a I have a friend in Chicago who's a who's a professional musician and he's not like famous or anything like that but he like he makes his living as a musician and people think that it's like a hobby and it's like yeah. it's like no I, I I work like 50 60 hours a week being a fucking musician like this is <laughs> this like just because I've been playing music my whole life doesn't mean it's like a, a hobby like and just because like j- just because you played in a cover band in college like we're not the same thing like this is like i, I studied this in college uh, this is how i pay my bills like yeah. i work i work my ass off doing this like this is not like a casual thing like this is a serious career path you know but people for whatever reason they associate like if it's artistic that it's like oh it's something you can dabble in so it's yeah. like not not a serious thing and and I think the conversations actually, I mean, especially over the last, I'd say like year and a half, you know, but like, I, I think the conversation is actually beginning to be a little clearer for people, you know, it's like with lockdown and everything that's been happening over the last like year and change, you know, people have been looking toward, again, quote, influencers or, or you know, content creators more than I think ever before, because we are so desperate and me included, like I'm desperate for human connection, human interaction. And, you know, I mean, like when I, when the, the lockdown started in New York, you know, I was trying to stay creative, but in, in a way that was different because I couldn't get out and travel or I couldn't get out and like, you go into the city or go out of the city and take photos. And so I was doing uh, like a daily um, Instagram live every single day. Yeah, you know, I, I did it. I did it for months, and and if I missed a day, people would actually like write back to me, be like, "What? You're Are okay? you okay? Yeah, like, <laughs> did something happen? What's wrong? Hey, 
Are you sad or something? You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I had to get the, the Johnny, Johnny Cash. <laughs> but like, you know, and, and, and it was one of those things where it became uh, like not only cathartic, but at the same time, just like eye-opening. You know, like I, I never really would go out of my way to actually talk. Most people, when they would first listen to it, they would be like, holy fucking, you know, like I didn't realize what you sounded like, you know, because <laughs> because I, I am that guy, by the way, that like every single time I make a phone call to place an order for like a pizza or something, it's like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, they'll be ready in about 35 or 40 minutes. Okay, thank you. And I'm just like, <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what I do. It's like, I, 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 so people, I don't know. I get it. I have the, I have the, the, the range, the vocal range. So there are times when I'll, I'll be like, no, this is a serious conversation and I'm going to, I'm going to take it serious, you know, and then, <laughs> but then I get excited and I'm like, ah, George of the Idiot Circus Boy. And I go up like two octaves and people are like, oh my God, Jordan's really excited about something. Clearly when Jordan's excited, he puts the pop mic in front of the microphone extra close just yeah. to make sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, man, you know, I don't know. That's like that. That's kind of the gist of uh, what I do. You know, I'm a nerd that spends most of his time and money on kettlebells and and uh, camera equipment. And uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Don't don't over, don't ever go changing for for anybody. Those are two very expensive hobbies. <laughs> See, kettle, kettlebell really doesn't have to be expensive. The problem is, is when you go full on down the rabbit hole with it, it's like anything else. Like you you could literally get by with like one bell or yeah. two bells and like a yoga mat. And that's all you fucking need. And you could, you could stay in shape for as long as you want. Right. So long as the weight is appropriate for you, or like you got an adjustable kettlebell where you could, you could change yeah. the weights. Like you could literally just have one bell and like two square <laughs> feet. And like, that would be all you need for the rest of your life. But we're like, we're like, Oh, I need, I need them in two kilo increments in matching pairs. Uh, and I need a platform and I need shoes and I need, actually I need custom shoes um, because these ones, these ones don't, quite fit my feet that's a whole other saga that that, that you're loving that saga by the way observing from observing from the sideline i'm now on my i've tried on now five pairs of olympic lifters trying to <laughs> trying to find uh, well six including the ones i bought on ebay and sent to you because they I, were too, I still too wear those small for my feet <laughs> i wear those every time now because it's like my ramaleos were all i wore for years and i was just like this is the first and only pair of lifters i've ever worn i love them i'm gonna stick with it and then you sent me the doins and i was just like Oh my God, <laughs> what have I been doing? Meanwhile, like I actually wear like the, the kind of like nerdy, like vi uh, Vivo barefoot, like, yeah, yeah. yeah me too. Yeah. But like it just never clicked to me with the idea of like finding a wide toe lifter. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like, I can't, I can't even imagine going back to this. I tried to it's, once. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like my obsession now. Like I'm, I'm Don Quixote <clears throat> on the quest to take down the windmill here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a like wide, uh, a, a lifter wide enough for my hobbit feet, um, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, whatever it you know but it's funny because like anything like it's but it's anything like when you're when you're passionate about a thing like running is a super cheap hobby like but if you're passionate about it then you're like you're like oh i want the heart rate monitor and i want the and i want the nice running shoes and i want the nice running shorts and i want the nice running shirt like like you can you know and then you start going to marathons or whatever like it's just you, you end up spending money on what you're passionate about so like you know cameras on the other hand like that like when, that's like there is very there's a pretty high barrier of entry there to start getting into quality camera equipment like you know oh like, yeah like you know even even like a a sony that's going to be decent you know slr is going to be 700 800 bucks like there's a there's a pretty high like barrier of entry there when you start talking camera equipment and then you start talking lighting and like 
you know, that's, and that's, that's, yeah, like, that's the thing that kind of gets really tough about it is that like people will write to me on, like, on a regular basis, you know, um, and that's why like I try to be transparent and try to like show a little behind the scenes of like what I'm using and X, Y, and Z, but like I get people writing to me on a regular basis being like, hi, I'm such and such and I want to make, you know, content that looks like yours. What do I, like, what kind of camera should I buy? And the first thing I tell them is just like, you can literally make this look great with any camera, with your phone, you know, like you don't need to have the expensive lighting, you know, you have to understand how lighting works. I was even talking to, to, to Roxy, my niece about this, where the thing that's amazing about her is that like, she is uh, that, that generational cohort where it's like, the more that she learns about this right now, the more uh, like... Uh, prepared she's going to be because she actually wants to do this she wants to be like my uh like my my girlfriend keiko you know her yeah. aunt and so we're just like we will fucking mentor you and we will turn you into like a fucking legend you know like <laughs> and, and so we we're just giving her like the rundown master course and like showing her how to set she's, up she's like a young russian kettlebell lifter <clears throat> except she's she's right? a young young american social media mogul to be yeah, she's going to crush it. But it's one of those things where I was trying to explain to her. I was just like, you see this light right here? And it's like this brand new Aperture 300D that I bought in Mark II. And it's like, it's like a, it's like a, I didn't understand anything you said other than aperture. Uh, that was the, that was that was the only thing I got. It, it's basically like it's a light that I, I and I'm gonna butcher the pricing, but it's like I think the light itself, right, is is fifteen hundred dollars, right? Just just for the light and like the 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 tools to power it, right? And it's a yeah. massive case for it, and I think it's like fifteen hundred dollars, might even be like a little bit more, you know. But that on its own. It's just an incredibly powerful spotlight. It's a giant fucking flashlight, you know, and that's all it is. But like mimics natural sunlight, right? That- it's a, and it's like that, even that, that's kind of like a loaded question because it's like, what, I mean, like, if you, oh man, I could, I could go down a long rabbit hole just about how like lighting, uh, you know, if you guys have any questions, you can go to my Instagram page and I made a bunch of Instagram videos about lighting, by the way. <laughs> but, you should really put that on a YouTube channel and monetize that shit. I don't know if anybody, you know, anybody that can help with that. Like. <laughs> I, I just like, it, but anyway, it's, it's like, I, sh- I was explaining to her, I'm like, you see this light and it, and it has like a big uh, uh, soft box, like light dome on it, you know? And I was just like, if I take this off, right. And I was just like, this is just a giant flashlight. And I was just like, what a lot of people don't understand is that you don't need to have this massive soft box that I have on this to still get good light, you know, cause in some cases you're not going to have that, or you're not going to have the space. Like, how do you make this work? So I was teaching her how to kind of like get similar looks without having this like $400, $500 softbox, you know, because again, it's like, this is all life experiences. I've spent the last like decade buying kit, using it, realizing I didn't need that, you know, realizing why well, I <laughs> needed this instead, you know, it's like, there's been so much money that I've like invested and then lost and then kind of worked around. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been like slowly, I've been slowly accumulating things to like start upping my, my social media content creation and stuff. And like, I've been really, and you've been very helpful with that by the way. Um, but, but, but say, but okay. So just say, say you're like, you know, a, a mediocre uh, kettlebell <laughs> coach from, you know, I don't know, somewhere with like 833, <laughs> 134 followers uh asking for a friend <laughs> you know what would what would your your top what would your top tips be for for somebody um you know to to make better content you know we'll say with instagram we'll just i'll give you because i know i know it varies from platform to platform and stuff but like just say you're focused on instagram and you you want to make good content for instagram like what would be your top three tips 
By the way, the asking for a friend series is like my favorite thing in the world. So, <laughs> so I mean, um, okay. So going back, you know, top three things. Like the most important thing is is just like with kettlebell stuff, it's just patience. You know, it's like there is no, there's no like button or or like hack that you can do that is going to instantly kind of like upgrade your engagement. There's no filter that can make this look like you look. That's what you're, that's, that's what I'm well, hearing. Of course there's a filter like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> that's the fourth one. And I can't, you only have room for three. You know, but it's like, you know, so the, the first thing I think people should understand is that it's just like, there is no, there is no magic button that you can just push to be good at this. It's patience. And I think that if you can actually teach yourself, which again, kind of in a way tying me into kettlebells and stuff. It's like, if you can actually teach yourself just patience, you know, that's going to translate into everything in your life. You know, um, it's going to help you with your long cycle. It's going to help you with your breathing and it's going to help you with your social media because in order to actually succeed, you have to have basically like a lot of continuity, you know, you have to be like as consistent as possible. So either like posting on a regular basis, posting, I don't want to say the same thing, but just like things that have a cohesion to them. Mm. Um, and, and I think what also is usually lacking from a lot of people's stuff is, is kind of like a lack of personality. You know I mean? Like, you know, you, you have this, this ability to write out a caption and it doesn't have to be fucking, you know, like Hemingway, you know? <laughs> but it's like, I, th I think that if you're able to actually take a little bit of time and just kind of like personalize something, you know, and just kind of let people, connect with you in a, in a, in a, in a way that is going to really help. Um, I don't know, just like people feel a little more related to you rather than just kind of like, <laughs> well, it's, I, like I kind of, like, it ties to what you were saying earlier, right? Like, like the, the Kardashians are, are whatever they're, you know, they have their, they have their massive following, but how, how much of what they put the, out there is their authentic self? Like, you yeah. know, and where, and whereas like the, the, the micro influencers you were talking about, like people feel legitimately connected to them because they, because they don't have 2 million followers, they have 2000 followers and they put out content that reflects who they really are as, as yeah. a person. And they show like portions of their real life. Yeah. And then kind of like the tricks from that is basically like when you learn those bits, like when you learn the patience, when you learn how to actually like authentically express who you are, you know, on your social media, then it kind of turns into the third bit where it's just like, then it's just practice. You know, it's continuity, authenticity, patience, but it's like with that kind of like continuity, you're going to just get better. You know, okay, so I should have said top five because now now we're getting into like nine things. Yeah. Now 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 we're getting now we're getting into now we're getting into the stuff that I really want though because it's like I know those things, <laughs> but what about <laughs> what about the technical parts of it to make quality? So so hmm. let's let's assume because it's, it's just like practice in kettlebells, right? There's quality practice and there's shit practice. So so what are the quality what are the quality things that you should be practicing? What are the fundamentals that people should be practicing to put out good content? Because there is so much shit content on social media and it drives me crazy. And I'm trying, I'm trying really hard not to be a contributor to that, but I get really self-conscious about it. Well, you and I, you, you and I have actually talked about this, um, you know, like one, I, uh, a really important one that I actually like to always mention is lighting, you know, and like you, you went out and even like picked up a light that I kind of recommended, you know, and it's not just getting a light, you know, it's understanding how to use that light. So the number one, most important thing that I, I tell everybody um, for whatever it is they're doing is to just like, if you have an hour of uh, free time, you should be spending that hour like educating yourself on this, this, like whether it's photography or video, like 
as much as possible. Like you, you should be, I think that's, that's how the only way I've ever learned anything. I never went to school for this. You know, I never had, you know, uh, even like the way it kind of got started was Keiko needed me to like take her pictures and stuff. And I didn't understand how to do it. And so I just had to get out there and just like, she would try to teach me. It just didn't make sense. And it's like, I just one day decided I needed to invest my time and just learn it and then practice it. And so, especially with like lighting or with a camera, you know, it's like, you have to study and understand lighting and there's fucking YouTube university, like how I did it. So just watch videos on just like different types of lighting. And then the more you understand this stuff, the more you understand, oh, I don't actually need to spend, you know, like $2,000 like Bobby did. Cause he's a fucking idiot, you know, like to get this effect. And so when people write to me, they're just like, what should I get? I'm like, you should get this, like, you know, like this particular light on Amazon. It's very inexpensive. It's a very excellent light. We have a set of these, you know, like I recommend these through and through, take it and bounce it off the ceiling, you know, and then you'll actually get like a really nice soft diffuse light that's coming down. Then maybe have a little light behind you, you know, introduce depth, you know? So it's like, it's kind of like a, it's like your usual, like, um, <laughs> yes, but you know, it's like, it there's depends. No, it depends. Yeah, like there is no quick answer for it. So I'd say study everything you can when it comes to lighting, uh, depth is a big thing. Like I just mentioned. So kind of like understanding how to shape the light, how to introduce light behind the, the person to kind of make it look better. Not like this fucking room right here. <laughs> If I'd known I was gonna be on video, then it probably would have. Well, functioned. we don't have we don't have it on a YouTube channel yet. Uh, it's it's really just so that you and I don't talk <clears> over <throat> each other quite as much because I can actually see when your lips are moving. That makes it helpful, and I just like looking at you, man. You're just like you're a handsome man. I just I just want to like just rub your cheek. <laughs> but my my son loves to rub my head, uh, especially when it's freshly shorn. It's a little long right now, but uh, he loves to rub it when it's like prickly. I don't know why. Just he just loves. And then. That. With cameras, again, you're going back, it's like with cameras, like there is no magic camera. And the thing that's really tough about cameras, especially now, is the fact that like every six months, you have a new iteration of that same camera that you just spent money on. And so yeah. the trouble is like, you know, when you kind of get into like a, like you know, a bit of a gearhead, you know, like all you want to do is uh, just get like the next new camera. And and I used to really be like that. I used to be obsessed with just kind of like, I can't wait to get the new Sony a such and such. And like, oh, I'm going to wait like six more months before this drops. And at some, I mean, it's like, we all are kind of guilty of this, you know, but it's like, at some point you kind of step back and you realize like the patterns, you know, and you realize that what they're doing is the same thing that like, you know, I'm doing, I'm just like trying to promote something that, you know, get people to want to buy it and hype it up. And that said, like, I usually, <laughs> I usually believe in the brands that I do work with in some capacity. So I'm not trying to be that shallow, but you know. <laughs> That's the idea is that it's like, it's just a marketing, you know? And so I would suggest that it's like what the best thing you could do if you're looking into getting a camera, <clears throat> sorry, is uh, make sure that you are investing in uh, a particular brand and family. So if you are going for stay, Canon, so stay, stay with Canon or stay with Sony, stay, stay. So you learn that. So you yeah. learn that stack, you learn the settings because the settings within a stack of Huge. cameras, right. Tends to stay the same. But if you go from like Canon to Sony, like you're like, Oh, I really love this Sony. And then you switch to a Canon because the new one looks awesome. You might have to relearn like a ton of the settings, right? Like which I'm doing right now. It's like, I'm saying, stay with your system. And it's like, right now I'm in the process. Do, of actually, what, I, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally in the process right now of after being like a Sony user for like nearly a decade, you know, I'm getting ready to actually sell all of my Sony stuff because Keiko really likes the look of the Canon, which we used to always have. 
So I've always had Canon gear, but I haven't used a Canon in forever. Mm. So I'm going to be relearning it. But at the end of the day, the important thing is that when you understand how to use a camera properly, yeah. you can really kind of walk into any camera. And I mean, like I could, I could make a point and shoot look, you know, amazing. Um, and that's not using auto. That's the next tip. Don't ever use auto anything <laughs> auto, i mean like unless you unless like you were just like going for like a webcast or something just like basic it's like i personally think that the the sooner that you can actually understand you know like how you talk about your triangle of awareness you know it's mm, like yeah. the three pillars you know it's like there's the exact same thing with cameras you know you have your, your shutter speed your f-stop and your iso the sooner that you begin to understand how those three work with each other uh, th that's when all of a sudden the power really kind of comes in and, you know, it's like, you'll have those really beautiful shallow depth of field shots, you know, or you'll have like that really cool dreamy kind of like dragged motion blur, you know, um, you know, and, and some cameras operate things better than others. And if you just take a little time to understand it, then you're going to be in a good place. And that's 45 minutes of me talking about cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Like, um, I, I actually was, I actually was, uh, in the photography club in high school. Um, so I actually learned to, uh, shoot with an old fashioned film, um, 35 mil and like, I could, awesome. I could develop my own rolls of film and then we would get to go to the dark room and develop our own shots. And I would, I actually shot pictures uh, at like, uh, at, at sporting events and stuff. And that was uh, like, that's a lot of fun because you, you're our, you are forced to learn. Um, yeah. you're forced to learn, you know, about, about shutter speed and, and, you know, the, the important, the F stop and the ISO and, you know, aperture and a lot of things and, and how to, and, but the thing that I, and this is going to make me sound old as shit, but you know, it's like the, the, these kids nowadays don't understand how expensive it was to take a bad photo because now all they got to do oh, yeah. is just delete it off their memory card. They didn't have to go <clears throat> develop the roll of film, then go to the dark room and, and develop the photo only to be like, damn it, it's blurry. <laughs> like, and that shit was expensive too. Like that was not a cheap hobby. Like by I, any stretch of the imagination. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll get back to the interview shortly. If you're a loyal listener, you know that I don't typically do interludes, but I wanted to take this opportunity to share some exciting updates. The date is set for the first annual Twin Cities Kettlebell Open. On October 23rd, we will be hosting at the Athlete Lab here in beautiful Little Canada, Minnesota, right in the heart of the Twin Cities. And we've already started to line up some great sponsors. Bellevator from Dennis Vasilov has given two belts for us to give away. Our friend Nikolai Puchlov from Seattle Kettlebell Club is providing his new Made in the USA Pro Kettlebells for competitors to try out and use on the platform sanctioned by the IKO. Additional sponsors include Barefoot Athletics and Gaspari Nutrition. And if you have ideas or connections to other interested sponsors, please reach out to me. And please don't forget, go register for the event on our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. And now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I, I took I took photo in in, uh, in high school as well. Like I had like the old Minoltas, and it's like you're taking these photos, and it was like different because it was in high school. You know, it's like it was kind of a class, and so you're just like doing it for whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, like you were very very grateful when you have a good photo because you were taking the time to actually put it in the larger and put it in the mix and like the chemicals, and you're waiting like eight minutes 
you know, or more to like finally see like what your, what your photo looks like. And then just so you're like, fucking, yeah, you know, like I put my thumb in front of it or, you know, yeah, yeah. Not, like exactly like how you said, it's just like, I can't tell you, like when I'm taking photos, like I, like my girlfriend calls me one take hicks. Cause I'm just like, I'll take a photo and be like, yeah, that's it. I'm good. You know, like I love that. And she is the opposite where she'll take like 800 photographs, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I just like I think I think that like my my approach to things is kind of coming stemming from that that element high school where it's just like that that moment though like for as as painful as it was to to get one when it was like when it was like your thumb was in front of it or it was blurry or something or like but when you get that one where you're like this turned out exactly as I envisioned it in my like it I framed it perfectly like I had it set right and like you see it kind of like in the chemicals start revealing it and you're like you're like okay cool and then you like you actually pick it up and you're like Oh, fuck i got a great photo here <laughs> like that's like such a cool like viscerally rewarding experience i take a great photo and i would just like look at myself in the mirror and be like i am fucking ansel adams <laughs> <laughs> by the way if you guys are still too young that's a that's a brilliant photographer that you should look up <laughs> the, the best the best landscape photographer of all time uh, but oh, man. i love yeah i love ansel adams <laughs> all right so now we'll give give we'll, we'll pivot away from uh, away from photography nerding out and and we'll nerd out on kettlebells a little bit because that's that's why that's why the people come is to nerd out on kettlebells um so so how did you actually get into uh kettlebells and, and how like how did that happen you know it's actually extra funny because like I, I listen to the podcast quite a bit and and I oftentimes think about this, like if the hypothetical question were to be asked me and I was just like, man, it's always so hard to really dig back and remember, you know, <laughs> I, I tried really hard recently to think about it when we made this and, and uh, this, this session, but uh, so basically what I can remember, right. Is uh, so about, I'd say about like maybe like 10 years ago, I was getting really into, uh, I had a friend that was like, uh, really into kind of running and stuff. And then we go jogging every once in a while. And then he got into Spartan racing. And uh, so we did a Spartan race together and I was fucking hooked. You know, I just fell in love with like obstacle course racing and stuff. And then through that, you just kind of started jumping into like all sorts of weird primal techniques of training. And like, I met this guy that who is like a trainer and he came to a park and uh, he let me like train with him one day and he brought with him a tiny little kettlebell. And I mean, tiny in the sense, that I think it was maybe like 25 pounds, but at that time that was, that was huge for me, you know, cause I don't know. I was like, I was a much, much smaller person. You, you haven't seen this, but I, I used to be like uh, an absolute stick, you know? And uh, so it's like, I kind of discovered the kettlebell just uh, in, in some way through like obstacle course racing. Um, but I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, I'd see it like in a gym every once in a while, like at the YMCA's in Brooklyn and stuff like this. And so I do like the normal things like swings and, you know, like doing it really bad too. Like when I'm looking back at it, I'm just like, <laughs> man, good job Hicks, you know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, like, I guess like fast forwarding, you know, I, um, I kept seeing, uh, this guy, Ryan Fisher, who I was, I was following on uh, Instagram. He was like a old CrossFit guy. There's just loud personality. He's like a podcast host. He's kind of funny, but he's just like very loud personality. And he was talking about kettlebell Kings a lot in his feed, you know, and it's like hashtag influence right there. You know, it's like, I see this guy and, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, there's this, this dude, there's just a fucking brick, you know, like his abs are bigger than his face. And, and he was just like, I do 50, you know, 50 heavy swings every day and stuff. You, you can get fit just like this. And so, I mean, I was a hook, line, and sinker. And so I went to their website 
looking at some of the comments, you know, and like, like the things that they were sharing. And there was this guy and I feel terrible because I haven't spoken to him so long that I forgot his name. I reached out to him because he was like a pretty, like, he, I mean, he's, he's kind of like, I guess like you probably see a lot now. It's just like doing the flows and like the heavy like exercises, but you know, he seemed like a really dope guy. And I asked him, I was just like, Hey, so I think I'm going to actually like pull the trigger and pick up some of these kettlebell Kings, but I've got a question. Do I get, the cast iron, you know, um, or do I get these competition bells? You know, it's like competition ones are colorful and that's kind of fun, you know, but like, what's the difference, you know? And he was not a sport athlete, but he kind of gave me the breakdown. And he was like, personally, they're more expensive, but I would actually recommend that you get competition bells. And so I did. And he was like, maybe start with two sixteens. And I was like, fuck no. I got two 18 <laughs> kilo bells. Cause that's just, that's rebellious enough. Yeah. And, <laughs> And so in the process, like I, uh, they, I just pulled the trigger and pulled, purchased them right after they arrived. It was on their, on their Instagram account. And my, like one of my best friends, like one, uh, who you interviewed at the finale of episode season one, you know, um, one page like shout out one, you know, um, <laughs> you know, he, um, they, they had regrammed a video of his. And so I was just like, oh, wait a minute, that looks really familiar. And it was Brooklyn Athletic Club. And it was uh, down the street, not, not terribly far. I knew, the, I knew the facility. I didn't go there often, but I had just gone there like days before with a friend. And uh, so I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I see that you're in Brooklyn, you know, and, and um, you know, it's like you seem to be really into the kettlebell stuff. And I was just like, do you want to hang out and like lift? I meant as a friend. <laughs> you know um or like as as like a person to like hang out with we had never spoken he was like yeah sure what's your address i'll meet up with you and inadvertently he ended up becoming my coach <laughs> you know and it's like without even knowing anything about kettlebell sport uh i knew nothing about kettlebell sport he's got me you know doing long cycle you know with these two 18 kilo bells and you know like every person, you know, it's like my ego is is through the roof. And I'm just like, yeah, of course I could fucking do this. I still didn't know anything about it. And he was just like, okay, so I'm going to set a timer and I want you to do as many clean and jerks as you can in three minutes. I'm, I'm blown away. I'm just like, you want three minutes of this? And so he basically, and, and like you talked about like your 24 kilo, like five minute death yeah. experience. Like <laughs> yeah, near I death was, experience yeah. at Lifetime Fitness. Yeah, yeah I was, I was, like, so every time you say that, like I laugh out loud because I'm just like, man, I was so, so humbled <laughs> for three minutes with like an 18 kilo bell. And it's like looking See, back. Juan, Juan took care of you by <clears throat> setting the timer for three minutes. My, my, my manager, Matt was a Marine. So he was like, oh, you think you can make the 10? Here's here's your your 224s i'll say you know we'll go the full 10 minutes let's see it yeah and and so it's one of those things where it's just like i kind of got hooked though you know it's like it it was uh something that i fell in love with just because it it, i without being like i I mean i'm not trying to sound condescending or cocky or anything but it's just like my girlfriend jokes that she's like you know yeah like you have so much moxie that like you can (laughs) you can do anything that you actually want to do because you just don't know that you can't do it or shouldn't do it. Like, I think you'd even talked about this with like children athletes, how they just like, how like they, they don't know that they're not supposed to lift X amount of weight. And so they just do it because no one's told them they shouldn't do this. And so I, I do almost anything that I do really well because I'm just like, I see it. 
I know how to do it. I see it and I'm just going to fucking execute it. And it's like, this was occasion where I was like, I can see it. I'm going to do this. And I failed so badly. And so I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the idea that there was something that I actually had to like work toward. And it reminded me a lot of photography in a way where it's just like something that I sucked at so badly at first, but I wanted to be good at. And, uh, and I feel like things like that for me are really, really special because, because again, like I, I ADHD to the, like the nth power, it's like, it takes very little to actually distract me from what I'm doing. And so, you know, my girlfriend laughs because I, I often have a, a tendency to kind of like gravitate, jump on something, go full tilt into it. And then it's like, you know, six months later, I'm just like, not, no, no interest, you know, like, and you know, kind why of is there a collection of <clears throat> unicycles in your garage? Oh, I'm looking, I'm looking to sell those. I was into, I was into that a few months ago. One of yeah. this big unicycle juggling phase. Kind of, you know, it's like, like, uh, like I'll go through random things like during the pandemic, you know, um, I'm still actually learning Russian. I've just taken a little time off, but like, I'm still actively learning Russian, but I was like hardcore to that, you know, like while pandemic also, like during the lockdown in New York, I was so invested in learning real estate. Like I was going to get a real estate license, all this stuff. And I still might, I learned a lot, but it's like the passion of that is gone. You know, uh, but I had taken time off of doing kettlebell sport and gone into running, went full tilt into running for like months. That and sounds I, awful. It was terrible. I was doing 10 miles every day. I was joining uh, like different events where like my friends would be like, yeah, let's run, um, run a hundred miles in the month of May. You know, and it's like, I would knock out 50 miles in the first five days. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm an intense dude, you know, <laughs> you know, but I can, uh, I can relate. I yeah, can yeah. relate. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like kind of going back. It's like, so I, I fell in love with the fact that this was something that I was not very good at. And one is uh, just such a gracious and kind and incredible like person, but also just like one of the most knowledgeable humans I've ever met in my life, you know? And he not only gave me this, this really wonderful, like gift of learning kettlebell sport. I mean, it's changed my life. You know, it's like, it, it truly is made me, I think a better person. It's made me more patient. It's made me more athletic. And it's actually given me the desire to like help others, you know, outside mm -hmm. of just camera stuff. Like I'm training my sister-in-law right now. I'm training, you know, um, shout out to Amanda, shout out to Amanda. You know, it's just like, she's picking up long cycle, like a beast right now. And because of that, I've invested in two brand new sets of eight and 12 kilo bells. <laughs> so my garage is getting a little fuller as we speak, you know, but, um, and so one, you know, with like, he, with unbeknownst to me, he was like, great, I'll see you, you know, like, uh, I'll see you, I'll see you in uh, next week. And that'll be 250. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, I just started paying him and uh, he became my coach. Six months later, if that, you know, it was like around, I think, November or so, um, he was just like, yeah, you're going to be competing at the uh, the the Brooklyn Athletic Club uh, competition that I'm putting together. You're going to do 10 minutes of long cycle with the uh, uh, 20s, you know, and all I have are 18s. Um, he was like, you're going to do 10 minutes of those. And uh, I mean, man, it was, no, no, sorry. I apologize. Backtrack. It was, he wanted me to do 10 minutes. I was like, I can't do 10 minutes. I did five minutes. And that was still terrible, but I got through it. And but that was my first experience with like the community. You know, outside of that, it was just one kind of coming to my basement, like in my, in my apartment building and just watching Mr. Like, Miyagiing you. Yeah, yeah. And just like awkwardly, just like kind of like trying to correct little things. 
you know, and then, you know, it's like, I show up at this event and like, there's so many people that I would see at like the, uh, the AKA events and things like this during, uh, you know, the Arnold's or the U S nationals and the East coast and stuff. And it's like, I became very good friends with a lot of these people immediately, you know, it's like fell off the plan and, and going back. Also, I didn't know that you should only do or not only, but like most people do one event. And so I'd signed up also for a 10 minute snatch. <laughs> I'm not very good at snatch. <laughs> you know, so I, I did that. Yeah. My my first event, I signed up for all three. <laughs> no joke. Ten, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, ten minutes. I I was I thought I was a triathlete well before I understood how hard it was to be a triathlete. But it was really it was really just like, fuck it, I'm training for this. I'm getting my money's worth. Like I'm signing up for all three. I'm like I'm like I put down my fifty bucks. I'm getting my money's worth out of this. So I, I signed up for all three events like an idiot. And you know, what's so funny about it is that it's like, you'd probably do better then than you would now, even just because it's like, now we overthink everything in a way, you know, it's like, you know, I, it was a disaster. It was terrible. (laughs) It was was terrible. Like I was okay. I was okay at long cycle and I was okay at snatch because I trained, like I trained long cycle. And if you train long cycle with some intensity, like your snatch will be okay because there's a lot of the same fundamentals and it's only one bell. So you can kind of fake it till you make it. But I had no expectation for snatch, but like, I thought I'm like, Oh, I jerk is part of long cycle. So I'll be fine. I didn't in my head do the math and be like, no, you're doing twice as many reps and it's only of that one specific movement. So the localized suffering is going to crush you. Like I I just had no, I had no, I had no, I didn't know what I didn't know. So like jerk fucking destroyed me. Like jerk was terrible. Like I I think, I I think I did like six more jerk reps than I ended up doing long cycle reps because it was just just like, I had no, I had no ability for, for that, for that localized suffering for that long. I had no rack. I had no, like, it was, yeah, it was terrible. I I feel like, I feel like on a daily basis, like we're all still constantly saying that we have no rack and that we're all still working on it because it's like, that's, that's like the curse of, of, you know, this sport is that like, you'll never actually reach a, a, like a sense of completion or like feeling good about it. You're just like, it's just another day of trying to figure out how I'm not fucking this up as much, you know? <laughs> well, I was just talking to, I was just talking to Dennis by uh, a chat and I, I was like, I was like 151 reps in seven minutes on the, uh, on the, on the jerk with the double 24s. Like that's, it's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, he's like, and he's like, yeah, I'm trying, you know, biathlon is hard. <laughs> so, so I, I shared this with Cam, you know, like in Canada <laughs> and I said it to him and I was just like, just did you see this? And he was just like, yeah, no big fucking deal. This guy just did my life PR in a seven minute time frame <laughs> with heavier weights. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just 151 reps. Like I, I, I love Dennis to death. He's the kindest person that I've never met. <laughs> he's, he's well, he should be here in October. So I think you get it. You'll get a chance that you'll get a chance to meet him. He's uh, yeah, he is. He's a great, he's a great dude. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited uh, to see what I hope. I hope he, I hope he competes in October because uh, I, I love, I love watching Dennis compete. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's like watching a thoroughbred run. It's watching somebody, it's watching somebody do what they were meant to do. Right. Like they're like, I love, I love seeing that expression of somebody like expressing expressing their talent and doing the thing that it, it's like, it seems clear to the rest of us. Like, this is what you were put on the planet to. I love watching you do it. <laughs> you know, you know, what's so funny is like, and I feel like you've, you've kind of like gently articulated this with some other people in the past, but like, you know, the thing that I, I, I 
understand why kettlebell sport is maybe not like the most popular thing to watch and stuff, but it's especially less popular. Like when it's less interesting when you're actually watching Dennis, if you don't understand the sport, because it's like when you're watching kettlebell sport, like the way that you try to explain it to people is like, yeah, it's a 10 minute set. You're not allowed to set things down. The suffering is intense. And people are just like intrigued, like, huh, global suffering, the heavy weight, they can't set it down. There's a lot of grit, you know, but when you see somebody like Dennis Vasilov, who is doing, you know, like 90 to 100 repetitions in long cycle with 32 kilobells or, or, or like whatever he's using, whatever he feels like that day, okay? And he makes it look so effortless. Not only does it make it look like the weight, because it, like, and Joe Daniels talked about this, where it's just like, people can't relate to the weights because it's not like a barbell, you know, it's not like yeah. a, it's not like a CrossFit gym where you just like, Oh, the big, they got three of the big fat plates on there. So that's like yeah. a really heavy one, you know, like you look at a kettlebell and you just see a color, they're all uniform in size. So we have no idea. And so when you see Dennis with his, well, that's, one, that's one thing, that's one thing hard style actually has going for it. Right. Like the, yeah. the bells get bit like, as far as like, like social media appeal, right. Since we're, we're coming full circle. Right. When you see a guy like, you know, like Rhino strength from Chicago, when he's, when he's doing, when he's doing a, when he's flipping a, when he's flipping in a 92 kilo bell you can tell it's a 92 kilo bell because it's fucking massive and you're like jesus how heavy is that thing right you get some of that that old school old school russian strongman kind of thing where you're like you can tell that it's yeah. a super heavy weight because of how big and awkward shaped it is and everything but like a guy can be you know can be doing that with a 40 kilo competition bell and doing doubles and it doesn't look any different than if he's like other than they're they're white and they're not yellow yeah. right you What's know that white bell that he's doing you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> if i if i tried to do what rhino strength was doing i'd have to wear my brown pants that day because <laughs> 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 i just straight shit myself you know yeah he's yeah he's his, his feats of strength are, are very very impressive but yeah but yeah, that's kind of like how, that's my, you know, like nuanced little story of how I got into kettlebells and how I got into sport. Um, I mean, like things have evolved a little bit, you know, since I've been actually able to network and meet other people, um, you know, and, and, you know, through the kind of like tutelage of Juan, like, you know, he gave me these, these opportunities to like join these these different competitions. He kind of got me bit by the bug. And now like, I'm actually the one that's pestering him to be like, yo motherfucker, are you actually signing up for this? Because like we are going, you know, or I, like, I don't have his registration yet. Um, the registration rank <laughs> link is live as uh, Bobby can attest. Cause he did register for the competition. So that's probably the first person to do it. <laughs> yeah, you were the first person to use the actual one with the integrated pay link. You were not the first person to register, but <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I did say like six months ago when you were just like, I think I'm going to have a competition. I was just like, I'm in. You were the second one to say I'm in. I was the first one, but you know, that's just because of when I decided I was doing it, it was actually because you said you were in. I was like, all right, I kind of need to make this happen. I think, I think like my favorite thing about your podcast, because I mean, like, you know, for, for every episode that you release, I've probably listened to it at least like 10 times. And I, and I joke about this with my girlfriend because like when I'm, when I'm here uh, by myself or, or in the car or something like this, you know, she's like, Oh great. You're, I can hear the kettlebells like in the videos that you're watching or, or like this nerd chat that you're listening to, like you dorks, you know? And I'm just like, you know, the, the thing I love about it so much is that it's like, I feel like I'm hanging out with my friends, you know? And it's the closest that I, I mean, it's like, I, I know, 
word for word what a lot of people are going to say and it never gets old you know and i actively just kind of keep going back and one you're an excellent host i really just truly love oh, listening to what you say you know it's like i loved the uh uh like the new fat blast series you know like and i'm looking forward to hearing more of these yeah know? i've got yeah i've got another one of those coming i gotta i gotta update people on how that's going <laughs> you know but it's it's one of those things for like and, and and I mean, we can even attest this. It's like I feel like I've introduced you to like at least three people that oh, <laughs> that, yeah. are, that have actually been on your podcast, you know. Yeah. But it's like I know so many of them. I mean, Carter is your very first uh, interviewer, you know, or interviewee, I guess, you know. And it's like uh, he and I are pretty tight. I met him uh, at the end of actually the beginning of uh, the end of 2019 going into 2020 we went you know traveled together with one um to the arnolds and it's just like uh, doug even said you know it's just like there is no better brotherly love than seeing carter berry and juan peugeot together and it is the truest thing i've ever said you know i keep very few things on my phone like photo wise you know very few like photos and videos and some of like the fondest memories I have were actually from that trip, you know, it just like with Juan and Carter and, and, you know, it's like, I, I just feel like the more I actually get to listen to like you chat with these people, the closer I feel to everybody. And so I don't know. I love it. Oh, thank you very much. That, that, that does, that means a lot to me. Um, and it's, it's been, uh, this is what you you learned Russian uh, or started learning Russian. I made a podcast. That's what I did with my quarantine. <laughs> it's like I, I went full on down this this uh, this rabbit hole, and uh, it's it's funny. My 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 friend Tom, who I've known since third grade, uh, was the one he'd been telling me for a long time uh, that he's like, dude, you need to make a podcast. He's like, you need to make yeah. a podcast. I think you'd be great at it. You'd be great at it. He's like, every time I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, I'm like, God, he like that's the kind of shit that Jordan says. I'm like, you know, like he's like he's like you you need to do like I'm not Joe Rogan by any stretch, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was just funny because he kept pushing me to do it like for years. And finally I was like, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm, I think I'm finally going to, going to do it. And, uh, and now I, I finally have, have done it. And now it's like, I don't know, 40 something episodes in, which is, which is crazy. And hopefully, hopefully many more to come. You know, the best thing about like how you did it though, and this kind of ties back again to the, what we'd spoken to at the beginning, you know, that I, I didn't really touch on, but you know, it's like, I think what a lot of people have is uh, when they have an idea of something that they want to do, they, they are just like, okay, I'm going to do this. But then they have to order their special cameras or their microphones, mm, or they have to yeah. get that light and they have to do this and that. And they have to, they have to like invest in their, 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 webcam or all these other things, whatever it might be, you know? And um, what I really appreciated about what you did when you started this was you just started it. You just went at it. You know, it's like, I think, could it, am I wrong? Like the episode you did with one, was it just a phone call in your car? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he made the point of talking about how he heard the kettlebells rolling around in the backseat of your car. Yeah. And I heard that too throughout the whole thing. And I was just like, this is amazing. And <laughs> it, it's, that's the one thing that I try to explain to everybody is that it's like, you you can't get so tied up and, and fixated on like what could go wrong before you've even stepped foot onto the field, you know? Yeah, it's like you can't. You can speak that. It's our human nature. I mean, like it's our lizard brain saying, "Don't do this. It's scary. It's nerve wracking. You shouldn't do this." You know, and, yeah. and it's that imposter syndrome that, that you've talked about in the past. And it's it's one of those things where I just really love that. Like you went into it and you developed an audience. You found your voice, and as you were discovering these things, that's when you kind of 
oh, you know, I found like this, uh, this mic that I, I used to use for singing. And then let me see if I can actually spend $6 to get like a cable to plug this in and make it sound a little bit better. Oh, well, you know, I got a pop mic also, uh, or X, Y, and Z. And like, you, you're, you're progressively piecemealing your system, your setup, because at the end of the day, sound is the most important, but only for that aesthetic. At the end of the day, the story is actually the most important. And like, that's something that you always did have. And I'm really glad that you didn't just wait to actually get like the microphone, the lighting, the, the way for the fans to come in, because that's not how it fucking works, you know? So if you guys are starting doing something, just start and just work on perfecting that. Just like if you haven't started doing kettlebell sport, just start. Yeah. <laughs> Get some and bells. Reach out, pay, reach pay out to Jordan up. because he's going to coach you if you, if you ask him to. <laughs> that is true. I love I love coaching. It is I, I if if I uh, if I spent as much time thinking about anything else, I would probably be very very good at that thing. But uh, can, I, can I actually I, ask you a question? You know, of course. Like, I, I know that you know I want to be respectful of your time. You know, but because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I don't sleep, so you you can talk to me all day. But I actually uh, I actually wanted to know because i don't really know if you've touched on this enough or or in detail but i wanted to know like how did you get into um coaching you know it's like how did you decide to start twin cities kettlebell club how did you actually like what was the process for you to get your your people your your tribe you know because that's something that i've wanted to know about yeah that's that's a great question um so I've always, so I've always coached. Um, I shouldn't say, oh, like I've, as, as long as, as long as I can, as long as I've been, um, in the, in the personal training space. So, you know, I, 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 I was, I was working for a fortune 500 company here in the twin cities actually back in the day. Um, and I like had just gotten a big promotion. Like I was really excited about it and like had beat out like an, a hundred internal candidates and like super excited about it. I was like moving into learning and development, which was kind of like, you know, doing corporate education, corporate coaching, you know, so, I, you know, I've always kind of had a, a coaching type of personality and I was really excited about that. And then like six months into that job, I got laid off because I was the newest person in the department. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I was like, I was like, fuck. And I, at that, at that time I had, I had, uh, I had started my journey of losing a bunch of weight. So I was, I, I was really overweight out of got after college. And I had started my journey um, because my wife and I were, you know, she was my fiance at the time. And I was like, I'm not going to be fat at my wedding. So I had started losing weight uh, and I was really, and I was actually working part-time at a supplement store, um, you know, as a, as a way to save money for the wedding. And then yeah. that became my full-time job when I got laid off. So I was like spending 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. It was like clerks, except I was yeah. the only one in the store. <laughs> um, and so during that time I got my NASM CPT and then I went and worked at Lifetime Fitness and then got introduced to kettlebells there and like immediately it was like like i gravitated to kettlebells and then i you know opened my own gym here in the twin cities and you know that that uh didn't go well and then i ended up having to i ended up having to sell that uh to my business partner and moving back into my parents basement which was especially awesome when you're you know uh <laughs> i had cashed out i had cashed out my employee stock to open that gym and stuff and it was uh, it was a terrible terrible thing but throughout all of that even 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 when i went back into my corporate life and everything i still kept i still kept doing kettlebells on my own and then i still kept i still kept working with people like just one two three four mm. people at a time I, I i kept i kept coaching i kept doing personal training because i was i was just it was like that fire that never died there was always kind of yeah. an em, there was always kind of an ember there um and then in chicago i <clears throat> i found a gym 
I found a gym when we lived in Chicago that, that had uh, a really good culture. And one of my friends, one of my friends worked there and I went and talked to the owner. I was like, Hey, would, would you be cool if I, if I coach kettlebell here, if I or started teaching kettlebell, he's like, yeah, we don't have anybody that teaches kettlebell here. So I started teaching kettlebell classes there and they were more like fitness based classes, but it was teaching yeah, it to like, rug, teaching it to like rugby players and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I, I met, I met Sarah, I met Sarah Fornero, um, who was, uh, a, a triathlete who had had a knee injury, uh, like a triathlon athlete who had had, who had had a knee injury. And so she couldn't really run anymore, or at least at that time she couldn't, she couldn't really run. And so she was a member at that gym and, and, uh, I was certified in kettlebell sport, but I didn't coach anybody in kettlebell sport at that, at that time. Like I, nobody was really interested in it. I was doing it personally. Um, and, and Sarah was like, what is this kettlebell sport thing that, that you do? And I was like, oh, I told her about it. And, and she was like, she's like, yeah, I, I was like, I'm happy to teach you if you like, if you'd like to try it. And she was like, yeah, I think I'd be interested. We can, we can do that. We can do that next session. Right. And, and so taught her taught, and we were just doing one bell at, at first and like, you know, taking her through some of like Valeri Fedorenko's protocols, like, like yeah. put her through the pentathlon and some, some different stuff and was showing her some different stuff. And I was like, my eyes got big when I saw Sarah, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Sarah lift, but Sarah is a fucking beast sarah uh within within a couple of years sarah was a world record holder like she had the engine you know from being a tri from being a triathlete so yeah. she had the engine and <clears throat> swimmer swimmers can suffer like anybody that can swim yeah. can suffer and especially if you can swim open water you know so she already had the cardio and she was already strong and she she already had the capacity for suffering and she's a competitive person so she had like and she 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 had all of the she's got, all the boxes yeah she, and she's got the perfectionistic tendencies too like she can do the repetitive thing over and over and over again to yeah. to really learn the technique and everything and, and honestly like she got to a point at that point i was still I, I was still fairly new like she was my first kettlebell sport athlete that i ever coached and she got to a point pretty quickly where i was like I was like, I'm not the right coach for you at this point. Like I was like, so I, I actually handed, I, I actually recommended that she, that she go work with Mike Salazar, um, from, yeah. from Evo fit. And, and he's the one who took her to like, I'm not, I don't want to take credit for, for, for her achievements. Like, cause, cause she, she and Mike, she and Mike worked together and she, you can like, take a little bit. You can take like, a little bit. Cause I, I, I heard what it was. You I, know. Yeah, well, I, I always say I'm the, I'm the one it's that the got her I'm the one who got her hooked. Like that's yeah. what, that's what I, I got. I got her hooked, you know, uh, but you're so like the dad that takes his kid fishing and he ties the knot of like around the hook and then the son catches the biggest fish and he's like motherfucker you know <laughs> i i tied that knot for you I, I knew like i knew and i told her i was like you're gonna be great in this sport like you are yeah. gonna be awesome at this <clears throat> sport so I, so that kind of and that for me was like so sarah like seeing sarah go on and, and do all that she did like planted the seed for me of like okay i do really love this sport like and i, I and i love coaching and so I, I, I continued coaching, I continued coaching kettlebell sport. And then when we moved from Chicago to the twin cities, my wife and I, um, I, I was like, yeah, I, at this point I'd been doing kettlebell sport consistently for at least at, over five years. I'd been doing it. Like it was all I did for training. Like it was all basically all I did. I still dabble with barbell stuff and stuff, but it's always an adjunct to improve yeah. my performance in kettlebell sport. Right. So like, I was like, at this point, I'm like all in on the kettlebell sport thing. And like, I was, I was, part of the the windy city kettlebell club you know with mike salazar and sarah and and, and linda heap and you know uh, all the great lifters there the emily there, a whole bunch of great lifters came out of there you know and so i was part of that community and i always loved it and i had a you know i, I so i had a passion for it and when i moved up here i was like there is no kettlebell sport team up here you know and i i was just like 
I'm going to start one. And, uh, at that point I was just, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going all in, um, on, on starting my own kettlebell sport team. And even if it's just me showing up at this gym. So I reached out to Kate at the athlete lab and I was, you know, I pitched her on how I could build a community of, of lifters here in the, in the twin cities. And, um, and she was like, cool, like have at it. Like, let's do it. She, cause she's all about building community. And so she supported yeah. me and gave me a space to, you know, to, to train out of. And, uh, I met, you know, Greg Anderson up here and he's, <clears throat> he's, he's the OG original member of the twin cities kettlebell club. He's still, still, still with us, but he hit CMS. I got him to CMS and snatch, uh, within like six months, you know, but he came in with a great background because he was a hard style guy for a long time. And he does like, you know, ruck walks, you know, doing, yeah. all doing all nasal breathing. And like, he's, he's got a martial arts background and stuff. So it was just a matter of teaching him kettlebell sport and then building his conditioning uh, up to, to be able to do, to do the specific adaptation. But, you know, now since COVID it's been, it's been crazy. Cause I, like we went online and rather than teaching at a physical location, I was like, I'm going to teach online and I'm going to use zoom. And I started yeah. having, I started having people. So once you remove that geographic barrier and at, since everybody was at home too, like, so yeah. everybody, like nobody can go to the gym, everybody's at home. And so that was kind of a timing thing, but like the geographic barrier was eliminated. And then it just, it just kind of snowballed from there. And now we've got, you know, like 20 people on the team and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going, it's going awesome. Like I'm, I, I love it. And I'm a systems guy too. So like I have kind yeah, of, you a, are. I, I have, a, I have a, <laughs> I have a syst, I have a system that I, that I use for, for training people and it's uh, it works, it works really well and I love it. And it's been, it's been our own little tribe too, you know, which has been fantastic. We've got a cool, it's, it's fun coming onto those zoom, those zoom meetings every time. And like, I'm, <laughs> I still have a little bit of the imposter. So I'm like, well, nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to show up today. It's just going to be, it's just going to be me. And then like, so the first person goes on, I'm like, yay, somebody showed up. And then like, and then like, three more people come and I'm like, Oh, cool. And then like five more people. And it's like, Oh, before I know it, I've got like, you know, 10, 12, 14 people, you know, like those days I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is overwhelming. It's awesome. But you know, one of the things I think like that is really important to kind of talk about with that is that it's like, it's not just you as a coach that has that imposter syndrome kind of feeling where it's just like, you're afraid that you're going to put something out and not have enough people there, you know, like, you know, especially on like that last video that I told you I'd made you with like with yeah. the kids and everything, you know, even like my girlfriend was like, now look, don't be upset if it doesn't really pick up or anything like this. And like, this was one of the few times where I kind of like really had like this mental kind of like this state where I just wasn't really like precious about it. I was just like, I was just so proud of what I had made, yeah. you know, because uh, like I spent so much time just making this actually look and match like old reference 50s videos you did, that i had you watched did. it was awesome it i spent really hours just it really yeah. looks the part i spent hours just watching these videos just so i could understand like the dialect of like how the transcontinental accent was and like how the the, the cadence and all these other things so it's like when when it, i was trying to execute it like that that was something where i wasn't really normally upset about it like i would be but um I've I worded that poorly. Like normally I would be kind of like nervous about yeah. posting something because like there's this expectation where it's just like, I put so much work into what I do, just like you do with your clients. And it's one of those things where like, normally I would just be like very, very nervous. And then all of a sudden you, you realize like, oh, okay, it's actually picking up. It's going to be okay. But even still, like you, you, I've been doing this for years and it's like, I still kind of get like that, that little bit of anxiety. Like my girlfriend, same thing. Like she's way more successful than me in the shed. And it's like, she will work on something. And she and I put more time into like a single photograph or a single video than most people probably put into like a week of their normal job, you know, but it's like, 
we are always bombarded with the sense of anxiety that it's not going to be worth what we invested in it, you know? And it's like, I think that's an interesting thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi-Wright. We'll reconnect for part two of my interview with Bobby Hicks next week. Please don't forget to register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. And if you have a question or a suggestion, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. And if you want to step onto the platform and compete in kettlebell sport, please reach out to me. Until next time.